Happy 420! Welcome to Stone Cold Murder. We are your hosts, Kai and B. Thanks for tuning in for Season 1, Episode 6. Just a PSA, if you are listening and have any information that you would like to share to help solve a crime, please go to www.crimestoppers.com. Today we have a friend of ours, Dan, who is on the pod. Thanks for being here today, Dan. Thanks for having me. Super stoked to have you here. Dan doesn't think that we can get him high. (laughs) He doesn't think that he's going to get stoned and that we're going to have to work really hard this episode to prove him wrong. Yeah. Um, so are you into <laughs> true crime, or are you just just down for the smoking, man? Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't dabble too much in true crime, but, you know, I like a good mystery. All right, all right. I always played a lot of Clue. <laughs> oh, clearly very experienced. That's quite the resume. I would think. <laughs> so before we even get into this... This case, who done it? If it was the Clue characters, yeah. who done it? I don't even know the people. I gotta <laughs> narrow it down, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was it. What was it, Mister Mustard? Yeah, Mustard. Colonel Mustard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was Colonel Mustard with the wrench in the library. <laughs> in the library. Talking Clue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's been solved. We're shutting it down. We solved it. <laughs> Mustard. It was mustard. <laughs> Clearly. So what's your preferred way to consume of the cannabis? Uh, I'm old school. I do all flour pretty much. All right. All right. I'll take a dab every once in a while. But... Okay. <laughs> what's your go-to munchie snack, Dan? Oh, ice cream for sure. Oh, if it's... What flavor? Like a chocolate. Okay. Something rich. Mm-hmm. Like a good chocolate peanut butter. Ooh, that's a good one. Good combo right there. It's the best. I I usually go for like hot Cheetos. That's good. For munchies. (laughs) (laughs) No, for munchies. Oh, 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 I got you, I got you. Didn't have to be. No, I'm not an ice cream person. Yeah, I got you. Ice cream? Yes. I I was thinking you would like crunch them up on top of like vanilla ice cream. Oh man. That's gross. I bet someone doesn't. Last time we got together on the pod, Jay came, and he made us all eat ranch dressing ice cream, yeah, and that was disgusting. disgusting. That sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. And nobody was high at all. It was just... It was awful. It was just bad. <laughs> never again. <laughs> he didn't sell you on it, huh? <laughs> it's still in my freezer if you'd like to try oh, some. I'm, I'm, I think I'm all right. <laughs> you want your next nice <laughs> So, Dan, do you like to wake and bake or smoke before bed? What's your preference? Uh, it's kind of like an all day, you know. <laughs> I know. <Yes. laughs> <It was, laughs> an all day event. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Just a little bit of here, a little bit of yeah. there, a little bit of this. <laughs> so, he wakes and bakes. And then, like, in between, and then smoke before bed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That needs a cooler name than just smoke before bed. I know, I, I kind of was trying to find something, and I just couldn't think of anything. Is there any, like, um, could you night, think of that? The nightcap? The nightcap, yeah. <laughs> so you don't get woke? I don't know. <laughs> that is exactly you get a solid night's rest, you know? 
<laughs> All right, are you nice and high? Uh, <laughs> light up a joint. <laughs> Do we, <laughs> we spend our business meetings at work smoking weed like, you know, just outside, so. Do you mind lighting it for me? I'm terrible with the light. Sorry, I thought it was going to go. Smoke. Little tote to keep me from getting woke. <laughs> Ready to get into this case? Yeah, so we smoked that joint. How are you feeling still? Or yeah, do you I'm feel like you need to... <laughs> it's vibing. Yeah? yeah? Okay, good. So we can take a dab and pause again if we need to. Just do this, you know. We need like a little bell. <laughs> oh yeah, a little wee bell. A dab bell. <laughs> dab bell. How do we do that? I have a bell upstairs. Yeah. yeah. I do. Do you want it? Want yeah. It with do you really? Okay. Yeah. That'd be good. Can we give it to him? Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding. All right. Let's do this thing. All right. Today, we have a Colorado case. It is the murder of Maggie Long. So, our story starts out at 7 p.m. on December 1st, 2017, in Bailey, Colorado. Connie Long was in town visiting her family. She had plans to go to her little sister's school, which is Maggie. Maggie was supposed to be there helping out with the Christmas concert that night. And Connie was going to go watch the performance and then stay that night up in Bailey and then go Christmas shopping with Maggie during the weekend. When Connie got to the school, she was met by her brother and some of Maggie's friends who were concerned that Maggie hadn't made it to the event yet. Maggie was in charge of the VIP lounge and was supposed to bring all of the refreshments for that night, but she hadn't shown up yet. Maggie was very organized and responsible, and it wasn't like her not to show up to an event like that that she was expected to be at. So Connie, her sister, stepped outside to give her a call, but didn't get in contact with her sister. But they said that that wasn't super uncommon, because up in Bailey, it's pretty rural. So a lot of times that you don't get a lot of service up there, and... It's kind of spotty, so her sister just thought that maybe she'd call her back after she got wherever she was going. Uh, so Connie went back inside and sat down, and she was just like near the door, just keeping an eye on it, just to see if Maggie would show up a little late. Um, but when the first opening song started, Connie knew that like something was wrong, so she left. She decided to drive to her parents' house and see if Maggie was there and maybe just got distracted and forgot that she needed to leave. Connie tried to call, again, getting no response. So then she called a tenant that rented the top floor of the family home. So they had kind of like a duplex thing, and the top floor was like an apartment, and he had like his own entrance that he could go upstairs, and he lived up there. Okay. Connie texting her because he was hearing the noises coming from downstairs, and all the lights in the house were flickering. They lived up the mountain, so they have one of those long, winding driveways that are covered by a lot of trees and make it pretty hard to where she can't see the house from the road. Connie finally makes it to the home, and when she turns into the driveway, she can see a bunch of lights and smoke pouring from where the house is. When she pulls up, she sees Maggie's car in the driveway, but doesn't see Maggie. When she approaches the house, the fireman standing outside told her that they thought it was a robbery and that it was really messed up, but they didn't really elaborate on anything else beyond that. 
Connie was very confused and just like looking around for her sister and just couldn't figure out what's going on and trying to look for the tenant but couldn't find him either. And since her car's in the driveway, she assumes that she should be there. Since she couldn't find her, Connie ends up calling her sister Leanna. And her sister Leanna lives out of state, so she couldn't come there. But she was trying to explain the situation and then trying calling around and posting to social media. <laughs> so they posted to like Facebook and they made flyers and they called everybody that they could to try and find where Maggie could be. Now while Connie and her family were getting the word out, the investigators are inside the home processing the scene. The house looked like it had been completely destroyed and there was a struggle before the fire took place. There was a safe that had been dragged from one of the bedrooms and it was now laying in the living room floor. The whole home was smoke damaged, but there was one room in particular that looked completely burnt, almost to the mm. studs. And that is the bedroom where they believe that the fire had been started. As they looked through the room, they found what they thought was a body. The body was so severely burned that it had actually burnt part of the arms off. And they could tell that the victim had been restrained and that the arms had been tied behind their back. After finding the body, they notified the family of what they found. And like I said, the body was extremely burned and they couldn't positively identify that it was Maggie. But since her car... Since she was missing and her car was at home, they assumed that it was her. Now, for some reason, when they did go public with all of this, they told everybody that there was no body found on the scene. It's just, like, something that I found strange when I was looking at this case. Like, they chose not to tell anybody. And it, like, really just made everybody super scared and worried in the town because, like, none of that stuff really happens up there. So... That is really weird. They were just like, okay, so should we all be scared? It's like this targeted, you know. They just couldn't figure out where she was and if she missing. Investigators that looked into it thought it was super weird, especially since they notified the family immediately also. Police looked into the upstairs tenant, Robert, but Robert left home at 7.45 a.m. that morning and didn't drive back home until 6.40 p.m. He saw Maggie's car parked out front but didn't notice anything until he got upstairs and inside. He heard loud noises coming from the first floor and he thought he was smelling smoke. And that is when he texted Connie and her mom about the loud noises he was hearing. 20 minutes after he got home, the noises continued and he decided to call 911. As he was doing this, he noticed a man standing outside in the driveway. Robert peeked out his door and saw a man standing at the bottom of his stairs as well. He got a look at the man, and he was wearing khaki shorts and a t-shirt, which he thought was odd since it was like December, Mm -hmm. and up in the mountains. Robert was interviewed, and his alibi was checked before he was eventually cleared of this crime. Investigators knew she left school to go home and grab the snacks for that concert around like 3.10 p.m. 911 call did not come through until 7 from Robert. So that means that there were four hours unaccounted for, and since the scene and Maggie's body was so badly burnt, it left a lot of room for like investigators to speculate what happened to Maggie that day. They said it seemed as if she had come home and interrupted a home invasion, and even scarier, that it was a targeted invasion all along. Mm-hmm. What we do know is that the big safe was dragged into the living area, And investigators speculate that there were more than one intruder just based on this fact alone. 
because no one person could have dragged that big safe into the living room by themselves. Maggie was restrained in a room with her hands behind her back with her hoodie sleeves pulled down over her hands. And this actually kind of preserved her hands because the rest of her body was really burned. Oh, wow. But they were actually able to get fingerprints off of her hands because of the sweatshirt. So they did positively confirm her identity from her fingerprints. Skin cells were recovered from underneath her nails from two unknown suspects. But the DNA has not been matched to any suspect. Her trachea had soot in it, so they were able to determine that Maggie was alive when the fire was set and was unfortunately burned alive. Jeez. Yeah, which is, I couldn't imagine. It's horrific. On the day of the autopsy, a gag order was placed so that the public did not find out there was a body found in the fire. What? Yeah, isn't that weird? I thought that was <laughs> weird that they did that to her. Yeah, that's super weird. I just like, I mean, what was the point of that? Like, they thought that they wouldn't find the murderer if they put that information out there? Like, they were hoping he would think that she they, got out or something? Yeah, or that she, they it was burnt so bad they didn't find it, you know? Yeah, it's it very weird. It's so odd to me. The safe in Mag, um, Maggie also had, like, a little safe in her room. It had jade figurines and money. Okay. And those things were stolen. Okay. Also stolen from the house was an AK-47 style gun, 9mm handgun, a Beretta handgun, and around 2,000 rounds of ammunition. It's all us having a good time up there. <laughs> Those were all the things that were stolen from the house. Okay. So people, the investigators kind of thought that it was targeted because those things were directly gone for, and they went for the things that they could open up in the um, safes. Wow. There were trails of accelerant found, uh, of gasoline used from the Long's garage and items that were thrown around all over the house and garage like a struggle had taken place. Since the police decided to keep it quiet, the community started to grow increasingly concerned and unsettled as the days went on with no word on what happened to Maggie. On December 7th, a week after the fire, finally, um, they finally broke the silence about the discovery of Maggie's body in the home. And they asked for any help or information that they might have and that they would not be commenting anymore on the details of the case. Um, police caught wind of a potential motive for the murder and that, the, that is that the Long family was having money issues and ran into some trouble paying back like a debt that they owed really didn't wow. go anywhere. Police officers also started to think that they were targeted for the fact that they were successful business owners, multiple restaurants, and also a liquor store. Wow. Up in the small town, like a lot of people know each other too, so mm -hmm. sure. like, word gets around pretty easily. The Long family didn't trust traditional banks, and they kept most of their money in the safe in the home. Wow. So, so, someone so like somebody could, yeah. It seems as if the intruders may have known about the Long's distrust and targeted them knowing that they could find the money in their home. Another case in Missouri was also, um, oddly similar to this case. In June, two men broke into a woman's house in Missouri and they tried to beat her up and demand that she give them the combination to her safe. Wow. She refused and they decided to pour gasoline all over her and light her on fire. 
But she's a badass, and she escapes and wow. puts herself out. Yeah. Dang. 24-year-old Antonio Bowen and 22-year-old Vincent Riss were arrested for this crime. So young. So young. And one of them, one of the suspects looked very scarily similar to the sketch of one of the killers. But the skin cells that were found under Maggie's nails were compared to both of them, and neither of them were a match. In May of 2021, the FBI announced that Maggie Long was now being investigated as a hate crime. And this is still an open case, and investigators are hopeful to eventually find Maggie's killer. But nothing has really been said since, unfortunately. So nobody's really come forward. Nobody really knows anything. It's sad. It's sad. She's so young, too. She's only 17. And it seems like she was just, like, the wrong place the wrong time. And yeah. But before we end, we would also like to just get a little bit into who Maggie was and get to know her a little bit better. Who was Maggie? She was a 17-year-old who was passionate about everything. She had a fierce love for the community involvement in student organizations. She was known for giving up her days to help others. Maggie was involved in just about everything. Teachers and friends described Maggie as kind, genuine, motivated, someone who radiated sunshine and a straight-A student. She was ambitious and majestic, one of her favorite words. From the family of Maggie Long. Maggie deserves justice. She was irreplaceable, innocent soul with a majestic presence. She brought joy to our family, her friends, and her community that will never be forgotten. Five years ago, she was horrifically murdered. We have endured an active investigation while processing the loss of our beloved Maggie. Our hope is that someone with information will come forward so those responsible for Maggie's death will be apprehended and held accountable. No other family should have to suffer such senseless loss. Please help us attain justice and honor for Maggie's infectious spirit and zest for life. We want her legacy to not be overshadowed by tragedy. Help us restore Maggie's optimistic and loving image to the forefront of our memories. Anyone with information is asked to call the Maggie Long Task Force tip line at 303-239-4243 or email at maggie.long.tips at state.co.us. Those providing tips can remain anonymous. Also be sure to check out Remembering Maggie Long. It is cbi.colorado.gov forward slash news articles forward slash Remembering Maggie Long. Right. Any final thoughts? I just think this one's so sad. But I just really hope that someone does eventually like come forward because I don't think like I don't feel like these people were very old that did it. I don't know why. I get the vibe that they're not like it was, yeah, super it seems old people. Messy. Um, not well. But thought. I don't think most of those people can like keep those things to themselves and do like a young younger yeah. person or just like people in general. A lot of times they end up like bragging or like yeah, if they're narcissistic or something. guilt gets to them. Yeah, if they yeah. And so like someone else has to know about it other than these people, and I just like hope that their conscious gets to them eventually and comes forward with something because it's just very senseless and disgusting all the way around. I think I honestly get the feeling with someone that knew her. What do you think, Dan? You don't think it's debtors coming to collect? You said that. Yeah. You know. yeah Is that, that where was... you're leaning? I don't know. You know. 
I definitely think that they knew they had the money. For sure. And, yeah, just to do a murder for, you know. Yeah. I mean, how much money could they have had in that safe? I don't know. I don't know if it said. But it could be a lot if they don't put anything in the bank. True. That's true. Because they owned, I think, two or three restaurants, Chinese restaurants up there. And then they also have a liquor store, I think. They probably were making pretty decent money. And actually, they don't have those either of those anymore because they just couldn't do anything. Oh, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. And then people get weird with that stuff. Like they find out that you're where you live or where you work or whatever, or that you're the parents of somebody that went through this or a family member. Like there's creepy people that stalk people and show up. And I mean, look at all the crazy stuff people do with the John Bonet house. The, and then the axe murder, the Williston house axe murder, the murder house. Oh, yeah, you know that, that too. But I was People also gonna to say stuff off of that all the time. That Watts guy in fire mm. in the fire stuff. Yeah, like one. they have to have signs and cameras out there telling people. Please do not leave stuff at the house. It's that morbid curiosity. Yeah, yeah. people are wondering. <laughs> yeah, people try to break in. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's a line. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you shouldn't invade the space no. or, like, try and take stuff. But I, I get... Yeah. I get the key. I understand the key. trying by. to see it. Yeah, yeah, I do get it in a way. Yeah. I wouldn't probably go to the extreme that some people are, but... <laughs> maybe for something, if I was, like, super interested in it. Yeah, curious, had to see what it actually yeah. looked like. Yeah. Get the bad vibe. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're, you're like, oh, I know. Feel the devilness yeah. in there. <laughs> Someone got possessed here. This. Yes, this is what oh. happened. This is where their soul was sold. <laughs> soul was sold. I said soul, soul. Soul, soul. Soul, soul. soul. All right, anybody else have any final thoughts? Man, it's, it's kind of sad. I feel like this one... There's not a whole lot of awareness about it. No. Because I, to be completely honest with you, I did not know much about this case. Like, I heard very briefly about it before. Yeah. And then kind of forgotten to we did this. And it wasn't that long ago. No. And you were the one that um, suggested we did this case. Uh, yeah. Because I didn't know much about, <laughs> yeah. about it. So I was like, this is crazy. We need to, like... And I'm sad that there's still just not a ton of info. Yeah, even when I was looking it up, there wasn't... No. Anything. There was like just some news articles. There was a couple podcasts that couple like covered it, but mm-hmm. very vague. There's not much and not even a whole lot about talking about her even. Like yeah. you can get a ton of information on yeah. And how long was it before they admitted that she was found there? Like a year later. It was a um I think it was a couple weeks later. Oh, a couple weeks later, I'm sorry. But still it was like they left all those people hanging. Like, could you imagine if, like, a 17-year-old went missing in, like, a, such a small town like that and nobody knew where she was and you just, like, straight you up. just kind of, yeah. And we're like, yeah, she's not yeah. And then, <laughs> they tell the family, don't tell anyone? Yeah, they put, like, a whole gag order on it. Oh, Even on the at- autopsy. Yeah, it's so it's just like, what was that about? <laughs> when they issue those that. gag orders, does that mean the family themselves could get in trouble for saying? I don't know. Something with their own family member? 
I wouldn't be surprised. Wow. I wouldn't be surprised. Crazy. Some of those people are kind of like just callous with criminal stuff, you know? There was this one case that I listened to that um, they didn't even allow the family to like testify against the murderer. Yeah, because they said that they would be too emotional about their daughter's death. And, like, um, wouldn't allow... that help their case? Yeah, that's what they said. It would be too impactful. Yeah, they didn't like want the posing. To... Yeah, lawyer. but it was like super evident he, he did it. So it looked like Jeez, that's he wasn't they're getting grasping out of at it, straws. You know? Yeah. But then they didn't allow that closure either to that family. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> that's a bad move. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. I don't know. And they Nothing kicked out the dad out of the courtroom because he started crying. Wow. I can't yeah, remember that's what case up. it was. I'll that's disgusting. It. Anybody it was that sad. was involved in that, you suck. <laughs> you suck balls. No. Let me just tell you. Not a fan. Not a fan. All right. Thanks for being here today, Dan. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Chilling with us, giving us your thoughts. Yeah. Sorry for the sad face, but thanks for smoking with us. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Yeah. And until next time, stay high. Be safe. And thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye.